0: Verse eleven. You know, whenever I first started preaching, I preached for an audience response. I still like them, uh, especially whenever it's people who's never heard you preach before. You want to, you want to, you know, you want to uh, show them that you can do a good job. You want to impress them with some deep thought, you know. Um, but I, the more I've preached and the longer I've learned in ministry that you don't preach for an audience response, you preach for an altar response. And I'm praying tonight, I, I, I wanted to preach something exciting, something profound, something that would get you on your feet, but I, I just feel led to preach something tonight. And I'm, I'm praying that God would change lives in this house tonight. Luke, the 15th chapter, verse number 11, if you have it, say amen. If you're still looking, say Amen. If you didn't look at all, say amen. Nobody's going to take that one. It says, and he said a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me. And he divided unto him them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. My younger brother and my dad several years ago were in downtown Knoxville and they drove down a street that literally from one street corner to the next was homeless people just almost piled up on top of each other. My brother said, Dad, that's a sad, sad sight. And my dad's not like me. He's not a man of very many words. But when he speaks, it's usually something very profound. And he said, son, do you know the only difference between those people and you and I tonight? My brother said, what's that, Dad? He said, one wrong decision. All it takes is one wrong decision to forever alter your future. And I want to preach with the Lord's help and your help tonight. I want to preach on that thought. One wrong decision. Would you set your Bibles down, lift your hands and hearts to heaven? Let's pray right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your spirit. God, we thank you for your power, your anointing that we feel in this house. God, we're asking you to anoint the lips of clay tonight to preach your word. Speak to us, God. Don't let this be my words, my thoughts, or my sermon. But, God, let this be your words, your thoughts, and your message for your people. God, we ask you to touch lives tonight. God, let decisions be made that will resound throughout eternity tonight. In Jesus' name, we give you praise right now. Amen. Would you give him a hand clap of praise before you're seated tonight? The Bible says that not only clap, but add a shout to your hand clap. Would you clap and shout right now, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, you may be seated tonight. The Bible says that this young man told his dad, said, Dad, give me what's coming to me. I'm I'm not waiting for you to die. I want it now. And the Bible says after he divided this living into both of his sons, uh, the younger son gathered everything together. He had no plans on getting back home. And he took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. I want you to understand with me tonight if you know the rest of the story, you know that the prodigal gets back home. And you know that the father welcomes him back and gives him everything back. And it's the things that he wasted were returned unto him. And I understand tonight that there's some things that you can waste and still get them back in your life. But there's one thing, young people, if you waste it right now, you'll never be able to get it back again. And that's if you waste your youth not living for God. I've never once heard someone that's older say, I wish I'd have waited till I got out of school to live for God, or I wish I'd have waited till I got married to live for God. But everybody I talk to says, I wish that I was in church since the time that I was a kid. I wish that I would have been living for God as a teenager. I wish that I would have lived for God all the days of my life. Understand with me tonight, the decisions determine your destiny. The prodigal didn't understand that the decisions he was making were going to have long term effects on him. Verse 14 says that when he spent all there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. I want you to understand that this world will leave you wanting. I've never seen anybody walk out the church doors. I've never seen anybody backslide. I've never one time seen anybody say life is better out there than it is in here. But this world will leave you wanting. And he began to be in want and he joined himself to a citizen of the country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. It's amazing to me. Uh, No doubt this young man was tired of living by daddy's rules. He was tired of having a curfew. You know, I've heard young people say, I can't wait to move out because I'm tired of taking the trash out and doing laundry and doing dishes. Well, who do you think is going to do those things when you move out? But what I find ironic about this story is the same thing that he was upset about and left daddy over because he didn't want to live under daddy's roof. He didn't want to be a farmer. Now he has left the goodness of father's house and he has found himself a citizen to a pig farmer. Now if you understand Jewish law, a pig was an unclean animal. This was the lowest of the low. I want you to understand that when you leave the house of God, you will hit rock bottom. I'm not a prophet tonight, but I'll prophesy this. If you decide to walk out the doors and say you don't need the church, there's a pig pen in your future. And you you may say, I'm tired of serving God, but when you walk out the doors, you become a servant to something out there. Don't think for a moment that you don't become a servant and a slave to something out there. The Bible said he began to be in one, and he found. This pig farmer. He he literally began living with pigs. He he slept with pigs and he ate with pigs. And he, man, he probably began uh, uh, making pig noises. He lived with pigs for so long. Yes, on, the Bible says that he he joined himself to this pig farmer. Now, no doubt, this was not what he envisioned when he left Daddy's house. This is not the life that he envisioned. He, he would sit out on the hillside and, and see the bright lights of the city. And he would think, man, I've got to get down to where daddy, or I've got to get out of daddy's house and get down to the world. I've got to get down to the city. I've got to see the bright lights. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side. I've always heard the reason the grass is green on the other side, there's a septic tank over there. But this is not what the prodigal envisioned. The pig pen was not what he left daddy's house for. I I almost said when I was a little boy, but I don't want to lie to you fine folks. When I was a kid, I remember going to the mailbox. And there would be this manila colored envelope inside the mailbox. And and on the outside it said, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Maupin, you are the grand prize winner of 10 million dollars. Man, you never seen a fat boy run so fast. I went running in the house, waving the envelope. Oh, Mom and Dad, we're rich. We're not going to be trailer trash anymore, Mom. We're going to move out of this trailer. We're going to get a horse. We're going to get a four-wheeler. We're going to get everything we've ever wanted. And Mom would have to calm me down. And she'd have to open the envelope and show me the fine print. Because it said, if you have the winning number. See, that's the same way the world wants to operate tonight. They want to show you the glamorous lifestyle of the world, but they'll never show you the fine print of sin. My Bible says the wages of sin is death. I want you to read the fine print with me. Whenever their payday is coming from hell, Satan's the only employer that doesn't mind giving out a paycheck. The wages of sin is death. I want you to know you can't play with the world. You can't go out in the world without a payday on the way you know the world wants to show us the marble old man with his cowboy hat on and horseback and with a cigarette between his fingers riding and, and, and the billboard says life doesn't get any better than this but he doesn't want to show you what I've seen a man gasping for air literally drowning on the cancer and the, the, the things that are filling his lungs as he dies from lung cancer in the hospital room. The world wants to show you how great it is to go out and party and get drunk. But they don't want to show you what I've seen. The, 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 the funeral services of those that have died while driving under the influence of alcohol. Young people of the world will show you how popular you'll be if you sleep around. But they don't show you what I've seen. The man dying from AIDS in a hospital room and the abortion clinic. I want you to understand tonight there's a fine print to see in. And you've got to understand it's not all what you think it is when you decide to walk out the door. If you've got your eyes on the world tonight, you are about to make a wrong decision. Another person who made a wrong decision in the Bible was a man named Samson. He was a strong man, but he had a woman problem. The Bible says that Delilah was enticed by the Philistines to find out where Samson's strength came from. And notice, Delilah would make Samson's, uh, uh, make him go to sleep. She would ask him, she would say, where does your strength come from? And, and Samson would say, well, if, if you'll tie me up with seven green uh, uh, never-dried whiffs, I'll be just like any other man. And then Delilah would make him go to sleep. And she would say, wake up, Samson. The Philistines be upon you. And he would break the whist like they were nothing. And then she said, Samson, tell me where your strength comes from. And he said, uh, "New, un- if you'll tie me up with new unoccupied ropes, I'll be like any other man. And she would make him go to sleep. And sure enough, she would tie him up. And she would say, Samson, wake up. Now, Samson, you got to be the dumbest man to ever live. You may have been the strongest, but you're the dumbest. The two things that you told her... They're the two things that she tied you up with. And notice what happens. He gets a little closer to the truth every time. The next time he said, "Uh, if you'll weave the seven locks of my head with the web, I'll be like every other man. And once again, uh, he, he woke up and he still had his strength. But Judges 16 and 16 says, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. I need you to understand tonight that the enemy does not stop at one time. You may win the battle on a Friday night, but the enemy will be right there knocking on your door again Saturday morning. The the Bible says daily she vexed him. Daily she urged him until he said, I've just got to give up and give you the truth. Verse 27 that he, he, he finally gave her in and said, my hair has never been cut ever since I was born. If you'll cut my hair, I'll be like any other man. And sure enough, she gives him the worst bad haircut he'd ever had. And she says, Samson, wake up. And he awoke out of his sleep. And he said, I'll go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He had played games with the world for so long. He had went out and lived how he wanted to and came to a Friday night youth service and said, I still feel, God, everything's got to be all right. I'll go out and do what I want to tomorrow and I'll come in Sunday morning and as long as I can still feel God's spirit, as long as I can still speak in tongues, everything will be all right. But I want you to understand there's coming a day whenever you're going to wish not that God has departed from you and you're going to find yourself in a place where you'll be defeated. Hey, the enemy's coming after you. The enemy hates you. And the enemy wants to destroy you tonight. No doubt, Samson made a wrong decision. But the first wrong decision Samson ever made, the Bible tells us that Samson killed a lion. And he went back to the place where he killed the lion some time later, and he found honey in the carcass. And he bent down and he took some of the honey and ate it. And not only did he take the honey and eat it, but he took it home to mom and daddy. Well, we can read that and we can say that's no big deal. There's nothing wrong with eating honey. Honey's good for you. But you've got to understand, Samson took a Nazarite vow. And in that vow, he was not allowed to drink any wine. He was not allowed to touch or, or, or cut his hair. And there was another rule thrown in there. You're not allowed to touch a dead so, Samson, when he walks by the carcass, he understands that that's a dead body. But inside that dead body was honey and when he looked, all he saw was honey. He didn't see the dead carcass. He didn't remember, I can't touch that. All that he saw was the honey enticing him. I want to tell you tonight, young people especially, this world will entice you. It'll look like honey to you. It'll look sweet to you, but it's wrapped up in a dead carcass. It's wrapped up in death. This world's trying to destroy you. Understand with this preacher tonight. Hear this preacher tonight you're about to make a wrong decision and not only did he eat it like I said but he took it home to mom and dad not only did he sin but he made his mom and dad sin when Peter had denied Jesus and he was distraught he said I go fishing and notice what the other disciples said too We're going to go with you. Not only was Peter going to backslide and go back to what he was before Jesus met him, but he was taking everybody else back with him also. I want you to understand tonight, whenever you make mistakes and you fail God and you decide to walk outside the church and turn your back on God. Moms and dads, you hear me especially tonight. Whenever you decide to give up on God, it's not just your life you're ruining. You can look and ask Achan. Ask Achan if things, touching the things of this world, not only destroy you, but his entire family, his entire family, His wife, his children, all of his possessions were stoned and burnt with fire. Please understand tonight when you walk out of this house, when you decide to leave God, it's not just your life you're messing up, but it's your entire family tonight. Another man we can find out about is in 1 Samuel 15. God tells... The prophet Samuel to tell King Saul, Saul wants you to completely annihilate the Amalekites. Kill man, woman, boy, girl, animal, completely wipe them off the planet. Don't, don't, don't spare one single person. Don't spare one single livestock. I don't want the Amalekites to even be in existence on the planet ever again. And Saul goes down to kill the Amalekites. And while he's there, he comes back. And Saul says, prophet, I've done what God told me to do. We have won a great victory. And Samuel says, why do I hear the sheep? And why do I hear the oxen? And notice what Saul does. Saul says, oh, well, the people... They were going to save the animals for a, a, a sacrifice. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, we might have disobeyed God, but we're doing it for a good purpose. We're going to sacrifice. And, and, and notice Saul, he didn't even take on, the, take on the responsibility himself. He tried to blame it on the people. That's the attitude of people today. Nobody wants to own up to their own things that they do wrong. They want to blame everybody. It's not your fault. It's something that somebody did to you 25 years ago. It's something your mom or dad did to you as a kid. It's never your fault. Brother Lane. you'll appreciate this after the gift you brought me from Joplin and I. But I read several years ago that there was a serial killer. And this serial killer, the fence in court was, Twinkies made me become a serial killer. I kid you not, I read an article on this. This person said that there was a chemical substance inside of Twinkies and they ate so many Twinkies that it messed their mind up and they became serial killers. Well I can blame Twinkies for something tonight too but it ain't serial killing. It's time that we quit blaming everybody else. It's time that we quit blaming everybody and all the things that have went wrong in our lives. I'm not looking for excuses why I can't live for God but I'm looking for opportunity and reason why I can't. And Samuel utters the one of the most quoted scriptures ever. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Understand tonight the prophet Samuel was saying sacrifice is good but there's something greater than sacrifice I love God's grace and mercy tonight I'm thankful that he, he has room at the cross for sinners because I was one of them. I, I'm still a sinner saved by grace. I'm thankful for the grace and mercy of God that whenever we make mistakes and we fail God, there is always a way that we can repent and get back with God. But I want you to understand something. There is something better than grace and mercy, and that's obedience tonight. The prodigal son's older brother came in from the field when the prodigal came home. And he was mad because the the daddy didn't throw him out to the uh, trash heap. but, But daddy welcomed him back. The prodigal had the same attitude that Jonah had. When Jonah went down to preach to Nineveh and Nineveh repented, Jonah got mad because he wanted justice. Do you realize that the prodigal's older brother could have had the greatest testimony ever told in the Bible, but instead he had the greatest testimony never told in the Bible. He could have been the greatest because he didn't know what the pig pen was like. Young people, you gotta understand tonight that if you don't know what the bar stool feels like and you don't know what it's like to be high and you don't know what it's like to live in the world, you've got a great testimony. It's better than grace and mercy tonight. Saul, your incomplete obedience is complete disobedience in God's eyes. But the problem that Saul made came way before this. Samuel told Saul to wait on him to make the sacrifice. And Saul, because of who he was, he got puffed up and and said, I don't need Samuel anymore. The man of God's not coming and I don't need him. I'll offer the sacrifice myself. Something that he was not allowed to do. I want you to uh, know tonight that whenever you get the attitude that you don't need your pastor and you don't need the man of God in your life anymore, you're on your way downward. You're about to fail. You're making a wrong decision. You ought to be thankful for a man of God that'll preach you the truth. You ought to be thankful for a man of God that's there for you. Don't you ever get the idea that you don't need him. Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God you can't make it without faith you can't be pleasing without faith God doesn't please with you without faith and you can't have faith without the preach word 2 Samuel 11 and 2 tells us it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed And walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Ironically her name was Bathsheba. Because she was taking a bath. And we know the story. I don't have to get graphic. David calls for her. He, he, he has relations with her she becomes pregnant with his child he tries to kill her husband uh, or he, she tries, he tries to bring her husband back so it'll look like that she, he's the father but he won't do it so he sends him out to be killed in the battlefield one mistake trying to cover another mistake and notice David made a wrong decision that night but the true wrong decision came one verse before that The Bible says after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. David, there would have never been an adulterous affair if you would have been where you were supposed to be. David, you weren't supposed to be on the rooftop that night. You were supposed to be out fighting against the enemies of God. I want you to know tonight that most of the mistakes and failures that we make are because we're not where we're supposed to be. And the Bible says that David tarried still. Being still in the work of God is not always a good thing. How many people like to deer hunt in the house tonight? I love deer hunting. If you're an animal lover, I'm sorry, I'll never kill another deer until the next time I go hunting. But I understand from years of hunting that it's a lot easier to shoot a deer that's standing there than it is to kill a deer that's running across a field. And the Bible says that our adversary has a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. He's looking for somebody that's an easy target. And if you're busy about the kingdom of God and you're saying, God, I want to work and I want to do and I want to be busy, you're not going to be an easy target. But the day that you get still, but the day that you get satisfied, The day that you're woe to them that are at ease in Zion, the Bible said, "Whenever you get still, and whenever you're supposed to be busy, David, you shouldn't have been still in Jerusalem. You should have been out fighting. As long as you're fighting, you're not an easy target. But the day that you get lazy, and the day that you decide to get still, you're become an easy prey for the enemy." Luke 22, 54 says, and they took him and led him and brought him to the high priest's house and Peter followed afar off. No wonder Peter denied Jesus. He was following from afar. See, the mindset of people today is I want to still be able to see Jesus. I want to still be able to feel Jesus, but I want to follow him. From afar. I don't want to be associated. The mind of people today is how, how, mu- how much of the world can I get in me? How close to the world can I get and still make it to heaven? I'm reminded of the pig pen that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. My cousins, anybody ever seen a pig pen? My cousins had a pig pen when we were kids. And we'd go and see the pig pen, man, it's the nastiest place on the planet you smell it a mile away. And, and once again, I apologize to all the animal lovers in the house. But my cousins tell the story that they had a cat. And they don't know exactly what happened to this cat, but they knew that this cat liked to walk the fence post in the fence line of the pig pen. And, and they, they tell the story that they don't know if the, 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 the cat must have slipped and fell into the pig pen. And they don't know if the pigs thought that the cat was a toy. Or if they thought that he was food, but they said all they found was some leftover fur where the pigs completely shredded that cat to pieces. See, that's, if we're not careful tonight, we'll do the same thing when we get the attitude, I want to follow Jesus from afar. See, we'll walk that fence line. I know you've heard it preached, and I'm going to preach it again anyway. Whenever you walk that fence line, it's not if you fall, but it's when you fall. And when you fall, I wish to God you'd fall into the church, but it never happens. What happens is you fall into the world and when you fall into the world the world hates you, the world wants to destroy you and just like that cat, there'll be pieces of you left over. It's not about how far can I get from God and still live in the world, but God I want to be so close to you that I can feel you, that all I see is you. You're where you're at tonight because of a decision. Whether good or bad, it's brought you to this point in your life. You know, the man in the cardboard box, he didn't just wake up one day and say, I want to trade my family, my wife, my kids, my home, my vehicle, and my job in for this cardboard box. No. Somewhere down the line, he made a wrong decision. The prostitute didn't just wake up one day and say, I think I'll just sell my body to whoever has the most money and I'll just live the rest of my life like that. No, somewhere down the line, she she experimented with drugs or alcohol and it, gave, it put her into bondage to where she will sell her own body to the highest bidder. Somewhere she made a wrong decision. Well, preacher, you've made some points out of the Bible, but that doesn't apply to my life. Let me... Hit home with you before I quit tonight. Several years ago I had a, a cousin who came from a broken home. And she would come stay weekends with us. She was like my my big sister. She would babysit us when my parents had to work on weekends. And man, she was just an awesome person. Time went by and we got older and I lost touch with her and didn't really see her all that much anymore, except for at family events. But we finally got the phone call one night. That my cousin was killed tragically in a vehicle accident, and the story goes that her and some friends had went to a cotton eye Joe. If you don't know what that is, it's a country line dancing place. And while there, they became intoxicated. And on the way home, there was two, uh, two vehicles, some in one car and the other, some in the other, and my cousin was driving one of the cars, and as she went to play a game and sweep out and come back in front of another car, she lost control of the vehicle. And she hit a tree dead on. At the funeral, the funeral director was a friend of mine I went to Sunday school with at Brother Carpenter's when I was a kid. And I said, hey bro, why is the casket closed? I would love to see My cousin, one more time. And he said, man, don't ask. And I said, no, I really want to know. He said, if I tell you, you can't tell the rest of the family. I said, all right. He said, your cousin was decapitated. Her head was completely severed from her body in the accident. She's in a cemetery up in East Tennessee right now, all because of one wrong decision. A man in Blue Mountain, Mississippi told me a story about his best friend in high school was an all-state pitcher on the baseball team, was drafted straight out of high school into the Major League Baseball Association. And while uh, that, that night to go out and, and celebrate, his buddies said, hey, let's go out and party and celebrate you being drafted. This man had been an athlete his entire life. He had never touched drugs. He had never uh, dr- drunk. He had never done anything like that. But he said, all right, we'll go and party just this one time. He became so high and so intoxicated that they ran out of money and he took a 38 revolver into a convenience store and murdered a woman in cold blood. He had never touched drugs or alcohol before. So you're wrong if you tell me to not, oh, I can just experiment a little bit. I, it's just a sniff. It's just a puff. It's just a drink. Everything will be all right. No, sir. No, ma'am. Because this man only did it one time he was put sentenced to prison for the rest of his life while in prison he takes his bedsheet because he can't stand the thought of being in prison when he should be playing professional baseball he takes a bedsheet and makes a noose and hangs himself in his jail cell all because of one wrong decision one pastor friend of mine his brother-in-law wasn't living for God sister-in-law wasn't living for God she worked at a bar one night these men began flirting with her while she was working and he was in the bar and he challenged them to go outside he goes outside they pull knives on him and stab him multiple, multiple, multiple times the pastor told me what was sad was that he had just finished a six week bible study with this man And he would sit in his office while he did the Bible study and he would cry. But never once did he repent. Never once did he get baptized. Never once did he seek the Holy Ghost. And tonight he is graveyard dead. Not only was it a wrong decision to go outside of the bar, but it was a wrong decision not to ever respond to the Bible study. Another young man that went to the same Christian school and school that I grew up in in Knoxville, Tennessee. He was being used in playing instruments and singing and doing drama in the church. He began uh, going out into the world. He began missing Wednesday nights to go out skating and having Christian skate nights. He started small. Oh, I I can miss Wednesday nights. Everything will be all right. But he began hanging out with people he shouldn't hang out with. And before long... He was so far out in the world that he started living a lifestyle that wasn't pleasing to God. And and if you don't know what I'm saying, you can can read between the lines. Years went by without hearing from him, his mom and dad. One day he calls his mom and dad and said, Mom and dad, I'm dying of AIDS. And he said, Please come down to Florida and pick me up. I want to come home and make things right with God before I die. I was there on that Wednesday night. I used to sit right here in Knoxville Church. I was sitting right here on the Wednesday night when Jeff Wilson made his way back home. And he asked Bishop McCoy, he said, can I say one thing to the church tonight? And you, I, I've never seen someone so sick, sickly in my life. He, he, he maybe weighed 75 pounds, nothing but skin and bones, and they literally had to carry him up the three steps to the podium. And he stood there shaking and trembling because he was so weak. And he said, young people, listen to me. He said, don't ever leave the house of God. He said, look at me. And he showed us all the track marks from all the IVs, all the medicine he was taking. He said, I'm literally dying right before your very eyes. He said, please understand. Listen to this man of God. Don't ever leave the house of God. I wish I could say God healed him, but he didn't. I was one of the first ones there that night at the hospital room when Jeff Wilson took his last breath on earth. But I believe he was restored to God is in heaven today but what could have been what a life he could have been married with children could have been used in the work of God but he's six feet under tonight because of one wrong decision another young man that grew up in Knoxville Tennessee was preaching the word of God preaching he started dating a girl outside the church and I know some of you have the mindset that I can flirt and convert, but I can count on my hand how many people that's worked for, and I'd have to have a calculator calculator to tabulate all the people that have sinned and backslid because they thought they could date outside the church. He started dating outside the church. Started hanging out with worldly friends. Started missing church. Bishop McCool and his mom brought him into the office and said, Jerry, we're worried, sick about you. What, uh, listen, you, you, this isn't like you. You're used of God. You're anointed of God. Why are you leaving the house of God? Why aren't you still living for God? And Jerry stood up and slammed his hands on Brother McCool's desk and said, I don't need you telling me what to do. And I don't need that woman pointing at his mom and saying, I don't need her telling me what to do. That was the last time Jerry Carpenter ever walked inside the church in First Apostolic Church, Knoxville. Some time went by. One night, he was so blitzed out of his mind and out of money that he took, he, he was a roofer by trade. He took his roofing hatchet and walked into a package store and axed a woman to death. I'm not talking about somebody out there. I'm talking about somebody that used to hold a microphone in their hand just like I am and preach the word of God. I'm not talking about somebody I read about on the internet. I'm talking about somebody that grew up in the same church that I grew up. Don't tell me that it can't happen to you. It can. All it takes is one wrong decision. As we stand to our feet tonight, Jerry Carpenter told his brother, Brother Kenny Carpenter, everywhere you go preaching, there's young people there. Tell my story. Tell all the preacher friends you know, everywhere they go to preach, tell my story. Because I don't want them to end up where I'm at. Right now, while we're enjoying the freedom that we feel in this house, we're going to go out to eat afterwards maybe and go home to your beds, go home to the, or to the bed in the hotel. Jerry Carpenter's in a six by six concrete cell someone tells him when they wake up someone tells him when to take a shower someone tells him when to eat someone tells him when to go to sleep all because of one wrong decision Proverbs 14 12 says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are all the ways of death Joel 3.14 says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The prodigal son came to himself and returned home. David repented when the man of God approached him and he got his life right. Peter repented and became a founder of the apostolic church. But Saul was rejected and ruined his life and those of future generations. Samson died with his enemies. And I beg of you tonight, if you're here, instead of making wrong decisions anymore, make a right decision to live for God. God forbid that a year down the road, 10 years down the road, there's a preacher preaching about you and you become a statistic. Deuteronomy 30, 19, my last scripture tonight. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that thou and thy seed may live. Understand with me tonight, it isn't just about the decision that you make right now. But some of you that aren't even married, there's decisions. There's decisions that I made growing up that affect my marriage today. There's decisions that I made 10 years ago that affect my ministry today. So you can't think I'm living for the minute. You've got to look into the future and understand that there's a spouse and there's children and there's ministry and there's things to come that the decisions that I make today are going to forever affect. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. If you leave this house tonight with unrepented sin in your life, you're making a wrong decision. If you leave this church tonight without being baptized in Jesus' name, you're making a wrong decision. If you leave this place tonight without being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, You're making a wrong decision tonight. I want to first open these altars to you tonight. If that feels who you are, if you've never repented, you've never been baptized, you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, tonight's your night to make a right decision. Tonight's your night to find an altar of repentance. Tonight's your night to go down in a watery grave in the only name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved the lovely name of Jesus. And tonight's your night. To be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, I'm going to leave these altars open for just... a Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.